Now, last week, you'll remember that we, I preached from Romans chapter 12, and we looked at seven gifts that's given to the church. Now, it's sad to say that there are unfortunately professing believers who make excuses not to use the gifts that God has given them. They are not instrumental in God's hands within the church. They come, sit on the pews, make it warm, and then get up and they go home. And when they get home, they are busy with their worldly things, the things that, you know, work and children and school and all these kind of things. And when certain things are asked from them, you realize that they come up with excuses. And let me tell you, through the years, I think every one of us could say that we've heard very interesting excuses. The one in South Africa that I remember the best is from one of the former captains of the cricket team, Hansi Gronier, uh, when he was caught, you know, um, fixing games while he was a Springbok um, cricket player or a Pratia cricket player. And in his case, when they were listening to what he had to say, he said, and this was his excuse, that the devil made me do it. That's the best I've ever heard. The devil made me do it. Wow. Uh, instead of just taking responsibility and said, listen, I love money. I wanted money. So he came up with an excuse. There are many other excuses. Obviously, you get excuses from people who do not want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They will come up with a lot of different excuses. And it always amazes me how innovative they can become. You know, in in sharing excuses. Or if people have to come to prayer meetings or Bible studies or come to church, that kind of thing. The excuses are amazing. And you can actually listen to the person and you'll be able to say, you know what, all you're doing is you're just making an excuse now. Why not come up with the truth and say, you, you don't want to come? Or, you know what, I enjoyed the game so much, I didn't want to come. Well, I enjoy the things of the world so much that I don't want to be in the church. But you get excuses. Let me give you a few. Maybe you've heard some of them. Maybe you've used some of them. There are excuses that people say, Ah, I don't want to go to church. There are too many hypocrites in the church. And I read from someone who says, Listen, there's always place for one more hypocrite. So just come to church and listen to God's word. You will get the hypocrite out of you. But that's what people use as a reason, or a, not a reason, an excuse not to come to church. Or people can say that the people at church are not friendly. Those people are so unfriendly. I'm not going to go there again. So they church hop and they find a place that suits them. Because uh, going to church is like window dressing nowadays. You go and you go and watch, oh, no, I like this. Yeah, yeah, this is the church that I want to go to. It's not a question of, Lord, where do you want me to be? Where do you want to use me as an instrument in your hands to edify your people? Or they will, another excuse is, I just don't fit in. I don't think the people will like me and accept me. Some people, and uh, this is something that I've picked up quite a, quite a lot, uh, in people that doesn't come to church, who doesn't go to church, not just, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking in general, 
is that they were hurt by somebody in the church before. And then they rather stay at home and they become a, a, let's say, a believer in isolation and they think they can grow spiritually like that. Oh, I don't have time. For Sundays is actually my only day to rest. Interesting one. Or there's someone that said, I'm against organized religion. So we can say to people, listen, we're actually unorganized, so you're welcome, come. I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to go to church. Have you heard that one before? Mm. Oh, I don't really get anything out of it. I go to church and I go home, but I didn't get anything out of it. Or the church doesn't do anything for me. Or the church people hate women and gays and the, the people who are divorced and certain ethnic groups or interracial um, couples, that kind of thing. So there's a hatred within the church, some people would say. That's why I don't go to church. Or that the people in the church are very judgmental. Have you heard that one? Mm. I don't want to go to church because they're judgmental. The moment you walk into the door, they start judging us. But beloved, you know what? It actually boils down to this. If someone doesn't want to go to church, they should just be honest with themselves. Stop lying to yourself. The problem is not the church. The problem is the person himself or herself. They are just using excuses not to go to church. Because chances are they might be lazy. Have you heard of that one? I'm too lazy to get up early in the morning. Or they just hate the church. They just hate going to church. Or they just don't like going to church because they don't like the people. Or they don't like to be told what to do. They want to do their own thing. Then there's another one is, I want to do things my way. And when I go to church, I've got to submit myself to a massive group of other people, and I just don't want to do that. So instead of just coming out with the truth and saying, you know what? I don't want to go to church because I just don't want to go. They come up with excuses. Because somehow people want to still look good in the eyes of others. And then they come up with excuses. This past week, I can't tell you how many excuses I've heard. Uh, not, not here in Newcastle, I mean on documentaries and things that I've, I've heard and listened to. It is amazing how many excuses are being used. The biblical truth is, is what we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, where it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as it is the matter of some, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. As we see the day of Jesus Christ's return approaching, we need to gather more and more and more, not less. So I, I, I'm going to say it 
straightforward that people think, who think that they don't have to come and assemble with other believers are sinning against God, are sinning against God's Word. And you know what sin does, ne? It's like a, a rabbit. If you have two rabbits of the opposite sex and you leave them, it's not going to take long for many rabbits to arrive. And later on, even more rabbits. Because that's how it works. Sin does exactly the same thing. Sin multiplies like you cannot believe. So you start off with this one and says, no, I can have, of, I can be a Christian all by myself. All alone. And then you're actually neglecting what God has said in Hebrews, which means you are sinning against him. And what's going to happen is from that sin, more sin is going to come. Because sin breeds sin. And the only way you can get rid of that is to repent and to start doing what is right. <clears throat> there are people who not only make excuses to come to church, but there are unfortunately also people who are unsafe. They sit in the church and they make excuses to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and people become very innovative. Not now. I'm still too young. Give me a few more years. I think you've heard that one before. I've had it with young people sharing the gospel with them. Says, no man, I've got my whole life ahead of me. And I normally ask them, how long is that? Do you know? And then um, I can easily tell them the story about um, Stefani's, one of her cousins. He, he went to, to drive with his uh, fiance to take her home. She was driving her own car and he was driving his own car. And he never came back home. He never thought he was going to die when he left his mother's home. She wasn't hurt. His car was hurt. He was just behind her. Things happen just like this. So the excuses that we make is one of those things, especially when it comes to salvation, when it comes to, to repenting of our sin and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the problem is... You can make your excuses, but you do not know how long you're going to live. Don't think you're going to lie in your deathbed one day and then receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't have any guarantee, none whatsoever. And then I would like to say to you, brothers and sisters, it's, it's heartbreaking to say, but I've, I've been sitting and thinking to myself, when we make excuses, what are we actually doing? Aren't we lying? If what I'm saying is not 100% true, isn't that a lie? Isn't most of the excuses that we use, isn't, aren't they lies? I remember as a young boy, now, I, I grew up in the time where in the Dutch Reformed Church, we still had to wear suits, you know, Jacket, and you're not allowed to take it off. Jacket on, tie, long sleeve shirt. And, and I remember sitting in summertime, and the sweat would just run down me. And I mean, it was such a hateful thing to go to church, even Sunday school, because I still had to keep my jacket on. 
So what happened was, I started making excuses. And the excuses I made was, oh, I've got a headache today. Oh, I've got a, my, my neck is so sore. And I've got this sickness and that thing. Not even thinking about my parents, that they are going to be concerned because I'm sick and they want to go to church and I'm preventing them from going to church with my nonsense, with my lies. It's heartbreaking. Today I can look back and say, you little stupid idiot. But why did I do it? I was unsaved. I didn't know Christ. I didn't love the church because I didn't love Christ. I didn't love God's people because I was not saved. But the day when God saved me, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to be trained. I wanted to know more about God's Word. I wanted to have fellowship with God's people. It would be the most wonderful thing in this world to sit around the table with fellow believers and talk about the Bible all night long. But it's a desire that was placed within me because I was born again. I don't believe with my, and let me say, I do not believe that believers should ever use an excuse. There's no place for lies in the life of a believer. Speak the truth. Especially in the world that we are living in today that is saturated with lies. Beloved, don't lie to one another. Speak the truth in love. I believe that there are excuses that are interesting to listen to, and I believe that there are excuses that is really laughable. I heard this poem, or I read this poem, and I would like to share it with you. It reads like this. I don't know who the author is. But it says, excuses, excuses. You hear them every day. Now the devil, he'll supply them. If from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this topic this morning, that comes from your word clearly. I want to pray, Father, please, in Jesus' name, to open up our hearts to receive your word, our minds to understand your word, and as was prayed before, willingness or feet that are willing to go and to share the good news and to share that which what, those things that we learn to share it with others and to be involved in discipleship as we disciple one another and teach one another and as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, Father, please, I pray, use me as an instrument in your hands so that your word may speak clearly to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 14, we're going to read from verse 15. 
Luke chapter 14 from verse 15. Now one of, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants, servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Verse 18. But... You know that little word, but? It's a sad word when you hear that word, but. It's like somebody that says to you, listen, I love you, but. What follows cancels everything before. And it says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of, of ground and I must go and see to it. I ask you to have me excused. The other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And then he says in verse 24, These sad words, listen to this, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Today the lovely word of God. Now beloved, this parable is basically about God who invited Israel, his chosen people, when he chose Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans out of the Gentile nations, to make him a people through whom the Messiah would come, the one that would save God's people from their sin. And they were supposed to enjoy this great supper, this banquet with God. That was the intention. God wanted them to enjoy fellowship with him. And remember, in ancient times, if you had fellowship with someone, you would eat with that person. Eh? So this is special. Extremely special that the Almighty God comes along and He invites a people and says, Come and have a banquet with me. And this great banquet, basically, in our text refers to God's invitation to them to enjoy eternal life, obviously, through repentance and faith in Messiah. And we see in our passage that all the people who were invited, made excuses. And this is sad. Really, really sad. When Jesus came to this earth, he was basically God's invitation to Israel. He was inviting the people to repent. 
Because the, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. So Jesus was the one inviting Israel and said to them, listen, come in. There's going to be a feast. There's going to be the feast of the Lamb. The wedding of the Lamb one day. You are invited. And he invited Israel to believe and partake of the greatest feast in the presence of the Almighty God. And what did Israel do? They rejected Christ. They cried out, crucify him. Crucify the Messiah. We don't want him. We want the criminal. That's what Israel did. They rejected God's open invitation. Beloved, that's sad. So, so sad. They made excuses. They rejected God's invitation to be saved and have eternal life. So what did God do? The text tells us he became angry. That's the wrath of God that builds up. And God became angry at the nation of Israel. And what did he do? He said to his servants, now go out and go and get the Gentiles and bring them in. And the servant came back and said, well, we've done what you said, and there's still space for more. And he says, compel them. Kind of force them. Grab them by the neck and pull them in to this feast. And by the way, I believe that's a type of God's election of his people now. To go and to compel certain people. Come on, get in there. So that they would go in without having the choice. But the people of Israel, they were invited. But they rejected him. Beloved, it's just like today, where the gospel is being spread. People hear the gospel, but they reject the gospel message. They completely reject it. And I hope you understand clearly, if somebody rejects the gospel, they basically reject God's invitation to the banquet. To this great feast that's going to be in heaven when Christ returns and takes us home to be with him. God turns to the Gentiles, and in our passage, the Gentiles are represented by, and you'll read it in the text, the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, those on the streets and the lanes of the city. Those are the Gentiles. When Jesus came, remember he said, I come to, for, the, for the sheep of the house of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was Jesus' purpose, is to come and save his people. But when they rejected him, he turned to the Gentiles. Obviously still saving Jews who would come to salvation. Obviously those who come to faith in Christ and repent of their sin, they would still be saved. But they became the minority. And the Gentiles started coming in. In their heaps. And we've seen it in history. How God saved Gentiles. People who were involved in idolatry. People who were involved in all kind of sin that's an abomination in God's sight. God saved those people.
the guests or the invited guests, Israel, who rejected the invitation, were replaced by the Gentiles because of their excuses. Because that's what our passage tells us. They made excuses. They had excuses not to go to the feast. Beloved, verse 24, listen to this. This is the consequence, the eternal consequence of someone who rejects the invitation of the Almighty God to join him at his feast. Verse 24 says, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. None of them. They will not even taste my supper because God won't allow them into heaven because they rejected the invitation. And, and what is the gospel invitation? The gospel invitation is that Jesus died for your sin because our, the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die in our sin. But Jesus Christ took the penalty of our sin upon himself when he hung on that cross he was buried as proof that he was dead. And after three days, he rose again and he was victorious over sin and death and the second death. Amazing. And the invitation of the gospel is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sin and you'll receive eternal life. That's the invitation. Israel rejected it. A few accepted it, but most rejected it. They still, up to this day, reject that invitation. There are missionaries in, in Israel preaching the gospel to the Jews. They still will not accept the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They are waiting for a Messiah, by the way. And we know who that Messiah is going to be. That will be the Antichrist. They are going to accept the Antichrist as their Messiah. But the invitation of the gospel is still there. It's open for them. It is open for the Gentiles. But I believe we are moving into a time where the apostasy is taking place within the church, where people are falling away from the faith and rejecting the invitation of God. The invitation of the gospel to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's heartbreaking. Beloved, something we should understand clearly is God is not mocked. What Stephen was speaking about this morning. What you sow, you shall reap. If you sow in unrighteousness, you will reap eternal death. The countries that has moved away from God, they will experience God's judgment. God will show them clearly that he's turned his back on those nations. And we can see it worldwide today. We might think that God is just patiently or impatiently waiting for sinners to come to him to be saved. As if he is standing there and saying, oh please. I want you to be saved. This, if God is in need of people to, to save. It's not true. God is all sufficient in himself. God need, needs nothing or no one else to make him more God. 
God is God and he will stay God forever and ever. He needs nothing outside of himself. So if God reaches out with an invitation of the gospel to a sinner, it's because of his mercy and his grace. He doesn't need that sinner. Sinners needs God. We need God's forgiveness. We need fellowship with God. We need him to invite us to his meal. We need him to open up the door so we can come in. We need him to say, listen, sit down and here's the meal. It's not as if God is standing there as this poor fellow who's waiting for someone to please just turn to him by faith. As if God is weak. He's not weak. God is not mocked. And when Israel rejected Christ, when they rejected the Messiah, God said to them, not one of you will partake of the meal, the supper that I'm going to give you, or those who are saved. That's the God we serve. God is God. He gives an invitation. If you reject it, you're going to receive the due punishment for your rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, beloved, there are people who, who pretend to accept the invitation to this feast of the Almighty God. But in their heart of hearts, they know they don't really want to go. But they make a profession. You know, they, they will say it, at least. And you'll find it in all three of these people in this parable. All three of them kind of made a profession and said, yes, we accept the invitation. We're going to get there just now. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter three, uh, 5, verse 37. He says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So if I say, yes, Lord, I accept your invitation, and I want to be part of this feast that you're going to give to us, then you stick to it. You said yes. And if, you don't, if you're not interested, say no. It's fine. No problem. Just don't come up with excuses because those excuses are from the devil. Don't fall into that trap. You see, the men that Jesus referred to in this parable all accepted the invitation, which means they said, yes, we'll come. And, and I, I remember our wedding day, for example, we prepared for a certain amount of people that would come to our wedding. All excited, I mean, it's the big day of our lives, and we've, we invited people to share that beautiful day with us. You know how heartbreaking it is? And I think you must have experienced it as well. You walk into the hall, and it's nicely made up and beautiful, and there's an empty chair, there's an empty table of people that said they were going to come to the wedding. But at 
They come up with excuses not to come. Why did they say yes? Why didn't they just say no? It's fine. Because then I can invite somebody else or we can invite somebody else. Stefania and myself, we said afterwards, we said we should have invited our friends. Because look at the empty chairs. Now these men who um, accepted the invitation, but the moment they were called, they had excuses ready. And in our passage, we find three excuses. The first one is, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. That's in verse 18. In verse 19, it says that I bought myself five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. And then in verse 20, it says, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now, let me give you a little bit of background, just quickly, before you look at the excuses themselves. You see, in Jesus' day, when a guest is invited to a dinner or a banquet, they were told in advance the day of the banquet or, or this meal, not the hour. It's not like us that says respond before then and so on, and it's going to be 8 o'clock for half past 8 or something like that. They didn't do it like that those days. What they would do is you would get the invitation to come to this banquet, and then what happens is just before the banquet starts, the person that basically um, is giving the banquet or this feast will then send out the servants to go to these invited guests and to tell them, listen, it's time. So that day of the banquet, you, you're just ready. Everybody needs to be ready because the, the servants of the master can come at any time and invite you to come to, the, to, to this uh, banquet and by the way the reason why they asked in the beginning so when you say yes then the the person that's going to give this banquet will know how many people will come and they know how many how much food to, to prepare it's basically a practical thing otherwise they prepare food and then half of the people do not arrive and, and that's a waste of food Now, just before the host or the feast began, I said they will go out and then tell each one of the guests to come to the banquet. Now, remember, each of the guests in this parable already agreed to attend the dinner. Yeah? They already said yes. And the host accepted or expected them to be there. And it's the right expectation. Because they said yes. Because our yes should be our yes. And our no should be our no. Whatever is more than that is from the evil one. It's from the devil. Alright, so. Instead of eagerly coming to the feast, all the guests insulted the host by refusing to attend. And they all gave excuses to defend their change of plans. Now the first guest bought a piece of land or a piece of ground and he had to go and see it. Now, beloved, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, who in his right mind would buy a piece of land without first going and seeing it? 
You might be buying a piece of land that's just got rocks on it. Or it could be a rubbish dump. No, before you buy the place, you go and see it in advance. And in the Middle East, the purchasing of a property was a long and complicated process in those days. It wasn't something that happened quickly. So the man would have had many opportunities to examine the land that he was buying. I mean, no, anybody who buys a piece of land will make sure that they see it. They want to see what the risk is when they buy this piece of land. What is the land like? Does it have water? Does it have the right place where I can build a house and all kinds of things? What is the purpose of this land? Now, most of the dinners were held at night in those days. So when the servant went out to go and fetch this, this guest, it was already started, started to, to get dark. And who would go and look at a piece of land when it's getting dark? See, it's an excuse. It's not a reason not to come. It's just an excuse. I, I actually wrote down on my paper that it was just a lame excuse. A lacquer lame one. Beloved, how many people today come up with excuses? Do you come up with excuses? Because if you do, beloved, you've got to stop today. It's very interesting. I don't know if you've picked this up, but I've, I've, as I've been listening to the news, and, and this is news worldwide, no? it's not just in South Africa, but news worldwide, I've now realized that uh, telling lies have been replaced with by doing politics. Oh, it's just politics. When in fact, the people were lying through their teeth. But it's called, oh, it's just politics. You can change the definitions as much as you want. God is eternal. And God tells us that excuses are lies. Don't tell lies. The second man bought five yoke of oxen. And he wanted to test them. Now that means there's ten oxen. Eh? And who in their right mind would buy ten oxen without testing them first? It's like buying a second-hand car. You want to take that vehicle for a test drive to make sure, and maybe take it to a mechanic to just go through it a little bit and see if mechanically it's sound. You don't just buy the vehicle without ever seeing it. You want to see it. You want to drive it. You know, if somebody wants to have a new car, that's something different. But then they still want to have a test drive because they want to feel how that new car is going to drive. How could this man really put these oxen to the test when it was already that late in the day? doesn't make sense. And, and the statement that he gives in our text that says, I am going to test them, basically suggests that he was ready on the, already on his way to the farm when the servant came to, to tell him, listen, the dinner is ready. He already made up his mind not to go to the dinner, so he changed from yes to no 
And the way he wanted to get out of changing his mind was to give a lame excuse, which is from the devil. That brings us to the third guest. This third guest actually had no excuse at all. This is beyond lame. He says, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Maybe it's one of those wives that has a string around his neck and then pulls him, you know, ties him up, puts a pin into the ground, and then ties him up, and he's not allowed to go anywhere. Handcuffed behind his back, his legs handcuffed, and you stay here. Maybe it's one of those wives. Beloved, Jewish weddings involved a lot of preparation. It wasn't something that just happened quickly, overnight. And a Jewish wedding was never, ever a surprise to anyone. And this man knew that he was taking a wife. Basically, he should not have agreed to go to the feast in the first place if he knew that he was going to get married. And by the way, in Jewish culture, those who went to the banquet was only the men. The women were not, not invited to the specific kind of banquet that our text is speaking about. So uh, there was no problem if his wife didn't come with him. He should have come because he said yes. Having a new wife could have kept this man from the battlefield because the scripture teaches us if they get married and they are married for a short period of time, they don't have to go to war for a certain period of time. That was biblical, but to come to a feast, no limitations. It is just his word, yes or no. So a very lame excuse indeed. And it's amazing when Jesus gives us these three excuses that these three ex excuses basically kind of is, is, is gives us principles for all excuses given through all the ages. See, we learn some lessons from these three excuses. The first one is, I believe, that possessions can be stumbling blocks in people's lives not to come to Christ or to move away from the faith because the oxen did it for this man he didn't want to come to the banquet because of the oxen that he bought the second lesson we learn is that ambition and dreams can be stumbling blocks in people's lives the man that went to buy a piece of ground, obviously it would have been an improvement for him. If you buy a piece of land, it is expansion of your property. And we need to be very, very careful that our ambitions and our dreams do not become stumbling blocks in our lives. Because it has been stumbling blocks in many, many people's lives not to come to Christ. And for many, unfortunately, also not to come to church. Third, loved ones can be stumbling blocks in our lives or in people's lives. That man that married a wife 
She became a stumbling block in his life while he used her as an excuse. And how many people use other people? My wife, my children, my extended family or whatever. Use it as excuses not to be with God's people. It always amazes me how people will stay at home on a Sunday morning because they've got unsaved family. But they will not come to church to their saved family. They will rather have fellowship with their unsaved family. If they were sitting there and preaching the gospel to them, different story. But loved ones can become a very, how can I say, can become a stumbling block in the lives of people not to come to Christ. People receive an invitation to the, let's call it the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. And that invitation is through the gospel. And that invitation is repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be able to enter into this feast and have a massive meal with the Almighty God. And God sent His only begotten Son to die for His chosen people, Israel. That's why Jesus was there, was here on this earth. Obviously, we've got the Old New Testament, so we know that the gospel would come to the Gentiles as well. But God wanted to save his chosen people, but they rejected him. They rejected the invitation. They rejected the feast that he prepared for them to enjoy with him. That is so sad. And their excuses caused God to become angry. But praise God for that because salvation came to the Gentiles, you and I. I don't know if there's any Jews here this morning. People that are from Israel. So that means we are all Gentiles. And the gospel invitation still coming to Gentiles. And it's coming to Israel. Beloved, the warning is Israel made excuses when God invited them. What are you going to do with the invitation of the gospel to believe and repent of your sin? Will you accept that invitation? Will your yes be yes and your no be no? Because remember, anything more than that is from the evil one and excuses fall into that category. Excuses are wicked. So make a decision today. If you're a believer, stop making excuses. If you have a reason, fine. Stop making excuses. Live in the light. Be salt. Be light in this world. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much that we can have this example. Yes, it's a parable, but wow, filled with so much spiritual truth. And we know, Father, that Israel rejected you. 
And salvation came to the Gentiles, to us, each one of us. And we know that the gospel call is still going out today. The invitation is still there, and I want to pray, Father. If there be anyone this morning that is sitting in this auditorium, if there's anybody listening online this morning who have not accepted this invitation, who have not repented of their sin and turned by faith to Jesus Christ alone and trust in Him alone that He can save them. Father, I pray, may this morning be that morning where that person will bow their knees before You in repentance and in faith. For us who are saved, who are part of the church, when we look at this parable, we see your great mercy and your grace, how you've taken us and you've brought us in to your kingdom by your grace, and wow, it's amazing. And I want to pray, Father, will you please enable us not to have excuses for everything or for anything, but that we will speak the truth in love and our yes will be yes and our no will be no. That we will be people of integrity so that you may be glorified in and through our lives every single day. So Father, as we leave this auditorium and as we go out into our separate workplaces, school, wherever we go, Father, may your word continue to speak to our hearts and what you set your word out this morning to do, may it not return void, but accomplish that which you wanted to accomplish. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.